Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to the Thought Leadership Project. I'm Jay Harrington. Tom, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jay. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty well. Looking forward to a week. nice weekend. We got beautiful weather up here in northern Michigan, so yep. should be nice. little last uh, gasp of summer. Enjoy it while it lasts. It's Michigan. We've done this dance before. We know. Oh, it's yeah. Coming. It's coming. It's coming. So, um, so yeah. So, I uh, we, we've got a topic today, one of our favorites, hopefully our our listeners enjoy this as well, but we're going to talk about writing and in particular, our writing processes. And hopefully as we talk about ourselves, uh, you out there listening can glean some insights that might inform and improve your own writing. At least that's the idea. Or, or you can, you know, take what we say and do the exact opposite. That might work too. <laughs> that's the George Costanza method. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So we have a series of like questions that we're going to ask of each other, and I will both provide our viewpoint on each an- on each question and see where that takes us. So I was going to pose the first one to you, Tom, which is, so when we're talking about writing, and in this case, for this episode, we're talking about writing article content. So, you know, a little bit longer form content as opposed to a LinkedIn post. Um, so First question to you, Tom, is why bother? What, like, why bother writing in the first place from your perspective? Okay, yeah. So uh, three short answers. The first one is a quip, and that's because that's all I'm good at, right? So yeah. I, I, I play to my strengths. Uh, there is some truth to that, though. There's some seriousness to it. Um, number two is I still think writing is the most discoverable of all sort, forms of content. So, I, you know, I love to podcast. It's tough to get a podcast in front of people. You know, people aren't searching for something that they don't know exists, but there's people are looking for answers and writing still is a good conduit for you to provide answers. And then third is um, why bother? And I think it's unique to the types of clients that you and I work with is most of the clients that I work with are in the business of selling ideas, expertise, and experience. And so going back to the the red line on my sixth grade um, writing assignment, for which I got a C minus, the, the words show me, don't tell me were on the top of the page. And a lot of people are good tell you know, are good at telling you why they should hire you. It's, you know, the claims of you know, experience and service and trust and track record and all of that stuff. But every website or marketing piece of marketing collateral is going to say the same thing. And it becomes completely, you know, homogenous to the reader who's considering you versus some other uh, service provider. The show me part is when you continually over time demonstrate through analysis and through expertise in your writing that earns that trust. You're not asking for it at the time that the uh, a prospect might be considering you and others for to hire, right? It's like you've shown them. And I still think writing's the best way to do that currently. Let me ask you, Jay, why bother? Okay. So first off, I agree with all of that. So, you know, chalk me up in support of all of those reasons. And so I'll just add one more and just to kind of contextualize this. So if I go back a few years and I think about uh, this situation, this challenge I kept bumping into in my in my own work, um, especially with respect to coaching clients around business development, running into this problem where I would work through, you know, a, 
helping the client to cast a compelling vision for the future, for their own legal practice, developing strategy and tactics for going about building that practice. But then when it came down to them executing upon that vision and strategy, running into the obstacle of, well, I just don't have the time. So they were getting frustrated by that. I was getting frustrated by that, you know, that, that perceived obstacle that was stopping them from making progress. So I decided I needed to, I needed to think about it more deeply. And as a result, I decided to write about it. And ultimately that, that question or that challenge that I was facing turned into a book, you know, obviously longer form than an article, um, which was the productivity pivot. And that was the essential challenge that I was trying to address in that book. So what that means, I guess, is why bother? For me, in my own experience, oftentimes uh, it's about clarifying thinking around a difficult problem that I'm trying to to solve. So I think that's the best way to think, at least for me, which is to write about it. Um, So, you know, uh, I guess the answer in in short is... uh, twofold like i'm i'm in the process of trying to solve a problem for a reader i'm also engaged in the process of solving my own problem so that's i guess what it really boils down to is clarifying thinking and and trying to through the process of writing solving a problem that i'm not otherwise able to address yeah so one of my quotable jay harrington isms is um i'm not entirely sure what i think about a topic until i write about it which I've heard you say before, and that's, it resonates with me. Um, You're right. And so just to add just to that, and then I'll ask you a question is, I don't know, and this is going to kind of dovetail into our next topic is I don't know how I'm going to write about something until I've thought about it. So my process, which we'll get back to in a minute, but I identify a topic, right? That's like, all right, this, I need to work through this. What do I think about this? And if I don't have the assignment of the writing assignment that goes along with it, I might not do as deep a thinking. So it forces me to do the deep thinking. So that's one of the ways that I come up with ideas, but how do you come up with ideas, whether it's for your own writing or for a client's writing? Do you have a process for that? Yeah. So I, I guess you would call it a process. It's a bit of a messy one, but it, <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a process here. Uh, but uh, so it, I, you know, when I think about this, I think that process has become refined and more effective over time. I used to be of the mindset that I needed to be coming up with unique ideas, right? Original ideas for writing. And of course, that that could lead to procrastination in many cases. Mm. And then now I abide by, and, and this there's this quote that I've you know clipped and I refer back to often. Uh, it's this French author, Andre Guide. And he said, Everything that needs to be said has already been said, but since no one was listening, everything needs to be said again. So I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, and the idea here is not to, again, belabor and and just labor endlessly trying to come up with a wholly original take uh, or, or idea. It's really thinking in terms of, you know, I have a core set of, you know, content pillars, let's call them. And I'm going to find unique and interesting ways to discuss those ideas over and over. Um, and so, th- I mean, that's the starting point, right? Where it's a mindset shift where I don't need to come up with like the most original idea in the world to write content about. I just need to come up with an interesting way to address something that is clearly relevant. And many people haven't been, if they've heard it before, they need to be reminded of it. So I go in with that mindset. Um 
So, uh, you know, I guess I've embraced the challenge of trying to do that, which is saying the same thing over and over in unique and interesting ways. And um, so I do, you know, think about two things to help inform that. One is, you know, what are the things I'm hearing from clients? Like, you know, what are the questions I'm getting over and over? And that's a good starting point for thinking about ideas. And then I'm also, I rely upon lots of content consumption. So I try to read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, read read stuff online and, and pay attention. And when I'm doing that, um, I'm, I'm doing that mostly outside the realms that I'm actually writing about. So I'm not, I'm not consuming marketing content. I'm not consuming legal industry content all that much. I'm, I'm really trying to go outside those domains um, because what I'm trying to do again is find interesting stories that will be you know, hooks for talking about these, you know, say five core ideas in new and interesting ways. And I think that's, you know, I really do think that story is the thing that makes someone, you know, dig into a piece of writing as opposed to just saying like, you know, here are the, here are five tips for X. It's like, well, okay. And if you get right into the five tips, that's not all that interesting. And there are, there's a boatload of that type of content out there. But if I can, if I can distill those five uh, or, or filter those five tips through an interesting, eclectic story from some domain outside of the legal industry and then tie that back to those core ideas, well, then I think that's that's going to be a more resonant piece of content ultimately. Um, so that's that's kind of my process. I mean, ultimately what I'm trying to do is, you know, if I think about it, um, do I have, you know, do I have a framework for this? It's It really is, you know, tell a story, distill the broad lesson from that story, and then provide some key takeaways um, for the reader on that basis. And I'm constantly on the lookout for those stories in particular that will inform you know, the ideas that I'm generating for content for my client. I mean, an example of this, uh, that it, it demonstrates that this episode, this topic we're talking about today was not an accident. I'm, I happen to be just, the book I'm reading right now is David Ogilvy, uh, his book on his autobiography, Ogilvy on advertising. And, you know, th there was a particular uh, passage from that book. I'll just read it real quick. Um, he writes, big ideas come from the unconscious. This is the true art in science and in advertising, but your unconscious has to be well-informed or your idea will be irrelevant. Stuff your conscious mind with information, then un unhook your rational thought process. So I, I think, you know, what we're talking about here is like your, the ideas will come to you as you're consuming um, interesting content from, you know, it could be within your domain, but oftentimes it's without it. And so, or outside of it. So keep your mind open, um, have a really good information diet. And I think you'll come up with more good ideas for content. One of the things that I heard loud and clear in there in terms of you having a process is the those content pillars. I think establishing those injects process into what might otherwise be just a free-for-all that's right so you're trying to stick to these pre-designated pillars that are both germane to your expertise and the interests of the year uh narrowly defined niche audience which you focus on quite a bit the only two things i would add to that is um in terms of how i come up with ideas i'd look for those topics that are being discussed a lot but for which i have a contrarian view for whatever reason and i don't mean to say i look for opportunities to take a contrarian view to the conventional wisdom i just whenever i hear everyone saying kind of the same thing 
and I genuinely am like, I, I don't know if, if I agree with that. I think mm-hmm. that's a great opportunity to stand out and you inject some, you know, at least some analysis that might be a little different. It's going to stand out on its own because it already stands out on its own. So that's one idea. <clears throat> and then the second thing, which is an idea for people to think about is I try to remove the obviousness standard. So I'm <clears throat> working with an IP attorney who talks a lot about, you know, the standard for obviousness, um, uh, being the, uh, what is it, Jay, you're the attorney, somebody of ordinary skill in the art, right? Yeah, um, for patent, for patent for work. Patent, yeah. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so what this patent attorney is is recommending is that you need to understand that you have extraordinary skill mm-hmm. in the art, right? And so sometimes you're self-filtering, you're like, this doesn't feel patentable because anyone would come up with this idea, but not mm-hmm. anyone would. So how I translate that to writing is I don't filter through the prism of, geez, if I write this very basic, say piece of content my peers are going to drag me through the rug rug, or through the mud because it's so obvious my peers are not my audience right my peers already get most of the things that i would write about it's the people who don't get what i write about that i should be writing for because if they already have the same level of expertise as me i have nothing new and novel to offer them so but when you remove that standard of obviousness and you consider yourself somebody of extraordinary skill in the art, then you can start unleashing your creativity and say, okay, I could write probably 10 articles, you know, in a matter of 10 days because I'm such an expert at this topic and it comes easy to me, et cetera. So that's just a piece of advice I would give to professionals who are of extraordinary skill in their art. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think there's, that's it's closely related to the idea that, you know, everything's been said and, but no one was listening, so it needs to be said again. I mean, it's exactly. you, again, you 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 put up these artificial barriers if you think in terms of, well, you know, I I you know it, this is obvious, and and why would I write something obvious? My colleagues in the industry will think, you know, I'm just doing something of sort of. There's no thought. There's nothing original about this. Um, but it's the audience you're writing for, not your colleagues, uh, exactly. it, who are of a similar level of expertise. So that's that's an important uh, point to keep in mind for sure. All right, Tom. So let me throw it back to you. So our next question is: When it comes to writing something longer form, where do you start? What's your starting point? Yeah, I, I'm a broken record here, um, but I stick to it because it's a, a formula that I. I think is useful both in terms of me getting the ideas out of my head but also i think in presenting the subject matter in a way that's going to resonate with people the reader and i always start with why why is this important so as opposed to here are my five tips for doing x y and z why should we even be thinking about why you would need tips you know is there something and again not reporting on new legislation or a new ruling that came down but why what is the significance what is the impact so i always start with why in my all of my articles have basically three acts it's why how and what so why is this important i establish that as a hook both in the headlines which we'll come back to but also in the lead um and i conclude the why section with a cliffhanger like this is so important which i've just demonstrated now let me tell you how i would go about solving it act two is all about the how here's how i apply my expertise here's my vision for how this is going to pan out this is what my experience shows this is a, a great way to solve a particular challenge or a unique opportunity and then what is the the what are the takeaways these are the five things now we're getting to the five tips which uh rather than leading with here are my five tips it's like okay i've convinced the reader that this is important to the point that they're willing to pay attention to learn how i would go about solving it they're convinced that that's a decent approach if they're getting to this what 
the third act. And so now it's like, I want to leave them with something that they can apply. Not just like, this is really important. Here are my, t- or, or here's how I would go about solving it. And then you leave the reader with, well, I don't know what to do now. I mean, I guess I just hire the guy, right? And I don't think that's the leap that people are going to make. They want to mm-hmm. just take away from this piece of content. Like, all right, I could apply this tomorrow and see if it works. And if it works, I'm going to go back to this guy to see what he's got to write about next time. So that's where I start. I kind of led you through not only where I start, but where I end up. But that's it all starts with why. Let me ask yeah. you now, unless we want to reply to that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I will. I'll get to mine in a second, but I just want to follow up because I think that's I, I like that a lot. I mean, what you're, what you're talking about there, what I'm hearing, Tom, is you're very intentional about structure in that way, like from the start. Um, thinking through what the structure of the article will be and and being very intentional about kind of pulling the reader through the piece too. I if I was to reframe what you were describing, you're, you know, with your opening, the sort of the why portion, you're opening a loop, right? You're sort of inviting the reader into an idea and intriguing them as a result, pulling them through like the introduction or first section of your piece. And then in the second one, when you talk about, you know, the how you are, you're sort of closing the loop. You're paying off that promise you're making in the first sentence. And then it, towards the end, you're opening a new loop, which is, mm. you know, you're giving them, you're giving them the tools they need to, to you know, put into action what you're writing about. But also, as you said, you're inviting them to come back for more because you've provided them with something useful. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, I, I always, when I talk about this open loop, closed loop concept, I usually talk about it in the context of, you know, that, that old show 24 that Kiefer Sutherland was in where every episode started with Kiefer Sutherland uh, as Jack Bauer, you know, just caught in this impossible situation, which he wriggles his way out of. So sort of like starts with an open loop, closes the loop. And then inevitably in every episode in the last minute, like the new calamity is introduced and, and (laughs) they open a new loop, which makes you then want to come back for the next episode back when there wasn't streaming and you had to wait like a week to get yeah. that payoff, but it's, you know, that, that, um, process is very effective, whatever sort of media you're creating. And I think that's kind of what you described with your article writing structure. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yep. And now it reminds me, I got to go w- watch some 24 again. That's right. <laughs> I watched the whole thing at 24 hours. Uh, yeah, seriously. It was a, well, it, was, it was a viral show for sure. It was. Yeah. I loved it. All right. So let me pose the question to you that where do you start? So I'll start by saying where I I don't start, uh, which is just sitting down at the keyboard with no real sense of where I'm going to go with it. So mm-hmm. there's really two two ways I approach it that are the, the typical starting points for an article. One is there are situations where inspiration strikes, and I try to take advantage of that because, as you know, that's fleeting. So if I come across something, typically, you know, again, it might be I read something in a book or I heard something on a podcast, and it immediately sparked an idea, I'm going to try to build on that momentum and motivation and just knock something out in the moment. And that's when you can access flow state and things tend to go really well. Um, But that doesn't happen all that often. Um, So oftentimes a starting point is thinking in terms of a headline. Um, And I, I do have a Google doc that it's just a depository for headline ideas. Cause I I do try to think in terms of headlines. Cause I think if you can, if you can, come up with a good headline, which is a, a topic uh, we'll probably talk more about. Um, I do think that 
that means you've got a clear sense of where you want to go with the article. So, uh, and, and headlines are just important for many different reasons. So I, I try to, when I'm coming up with ideas, I try to think in terms of like a headline, even if I don't know what the article is going to be about, I feel like if I can come up with a great headline, it's something I'll come back to and write about when the, when the time is right. So in some cases, if I know I need to write something like for my weekly newsletter or, you know, something else that I'm writing, I will, I will come back to my headlines and see if anything, you know, it strikes me at that moment. So that's another, um, that's another way I go about it. And that, that tip, I actually, um, I borrowed that approach from two of my favorite writers, um, Morgan Housel, who wrote the psychology of money. And is also just, just an amazing writer. He, he's very good at that open loop, closed loop approach to writing that we just talked about. Um, and he, I heard him on a podcast talking about thinking in terms of headlines and, and another person, uh, who did the same thing or does the same thing as Mark Manson, who's the author of the subtle art of not giving a, you know what, um, I won't say the word just so we don't get, it's not even the S word. It's worse than that. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) We don't all get labeled this episode labeled as explicit. So, um, but in any event that actually that, that book started as an article and that article started as a headline. I've heard him talk about this a few different times. Like he thought that was a great headline. He didn't know what you weren't, weren't supposed to give, you know, not give an F about, but he ultimately that, that, you know, he heard something else or read something else that gave him the idea for that. And so uh, to me, that's a powerful way to come up with good um, article content is thinking in terms of headlines. And then, you know, the other part of it probably is that, you know, I, I always try to focus on uh, as a starting point, like what's my conclusion? You know, what would I typically have as my conclusion? What's the key takeaway that I want my readers um, to leave this article with and try to nail down that uh, so I can work towards that. And then ultimately, you know, what I what I try to do is then incorporate that conclusion into the introduction, right? Because we want, we don't want to you know, we're not trying to uh, save the punchline for, you know, the 1200th word. You want to get that up front so you can immediately grab the reader's attention with why does this matter to them? Um, so, you know, having that framing in mind, I think is a good starting point. Yep, absolutely. Can we jump ahead then to, can I ask you what, beyond what you've already shared, your process for headlines? Is there more than what you've just shared? Um, well, let's see. Uh, I think that, you know, typically trying to do two things if possible, which is identify who this is for. So, you know, not just be generic, really identify, make clear in the title or the headline, who is this article for? So is it for legal marketers or lawyers? Uh, Is it for, you know, if I'm writing content for clients, is it for CFOs or CFOs of the automotive industry or whatever it is you want, you want people to understand that this content is for them specifically and, and contextualize for them uh, so that it just doesn't get lost in the noise of all of the other articles that address similar topics out there. And then to the extent possible, um, describe some sort of benefit, you know, what is the benefit to the reader, uh, for, you know, if you, if you read this article now, that being said, I think that a lot of times people get very formulaic with headlines, uh, and it's, you know, it, it all boils down to the, you know, X, X tips for Y benefit, or, you know, the, you'll see the, the ultimate guide to, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff that used to be like the clickbaity headlines that maybe worked for Buzzfeed back in the day. Um, but, 
I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much benefit there is to that sort of formulaic headline anymore. So to the extent possible, I want something a little eclectic, maybe, maybe, you know, ironic or counterintuitive, some other element to a headline uh, that that can grab attention and create some intrigue. Now, checking all three of those boxes in a single headline is not easy, but it's worth investing in because as we've talked about before, you know, you've got to, in order for someone to read the article, they've got to click on the headline. So that's your first job. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. So my process for headlines is I let the headlines sole um, responsibility be just the pattern interrupt, like get somebody to stop, notice it, take enough interest in it to take the next action. What's the next action? Maybe it's a click, but for me, it's reading the subhead. So I think the sort of H2, uh, header those you know the secondary subhead is where i um, offer the promise so if the headlines the hook right it's like oh i caught somebody's eye it might only be two words which isn't great for seo and it's not great to 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 do some of the things that you just mentioned so i i i will grant that but the subhead is the promise if if somebody has now stopped at least to read the headline and now down to the subheadline what are they going to get out of clicking this article? And that's where I do not the formulaic way that you mentioned, but some sort of promise, like, you know, a new approach to tackling X, Y, Z, or even something simple, like how to finally solve X, Y, Z, you know, it's the, okay, you've caught me. If I, if I click, what am I reading? So you have those two opportunities. And if you blow those two opportunities, it really doesn't matter what the 1200 words say behind the click. So, going back to what's my process for headline, how can I, and maybe this is sort of a fault of me trying, wanting to be and trying to be overly creative. I, I throw all the creativity into that headline and then let the subhead do take on the utilitarian process of, all right, come on, convert that interest into a click. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I think we're of the same mindset there. So yeah, it's, it's important though. You could, should, you did do need to invest in the headline. It's not some throwaway where you write the rest of the article and then you just, it's the first thing that pops into your head. Okay, exactly. And just last note on that before I switch gears is I've gotten to the point where I've practically thrown out all SEO considerations for my headline. I might bake 10% of that into the subhead, maybe, um, but um, I'm writing for a person nowadays and I'm writing for that human impact that the article is going to have and less so for the, you know, the bots that index the page and hopefully show up in a search result somewhere. So just that's a little tip. I'm not saying it's gospel. Yeah. But- no, I, I think that's right. I think we should put a pin in that topic too. I, 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 I've been interested in exploring and and refining my thinking around like, does SEO even matter anymore? I mean, right. I think it's, I think there's a real open question there. Well, I've got an SEO specialist who, uh, if he were here, Curtis would say no. Anyways, <laughs> so put a yeah. pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> As you said. All right. So um, whose turn is it to ask? I think you're asking me for this one. Okay. What's the uh, either the most or a few of the most important elements you focus on in an article? All right. So we, we've covered several of these in the context of some of these other questions. So um, this will be pretty quick, but I'll just, I'll just reiterate a few things. So first one, starting with the conclusion in mind and making it part of the introduction, if possible, right? Really just, okay. What would normally be the, the, you know, you wrap up the, you wrap up the article and neat little bow in the last paragraph and and provide the key takeaway. Well, make that in the first paragraph. Uh, so that would be an important element. Um, trying to also have some sort of 
story, whether it's something from my own experience or something I've read, an interesting anecdote, historical example, whatever the case might be, having something to differentiate and have some sort of storytelling element in this article. Uh, I try to do that in in everything I write. Um, and then, you know, having, you know, really being thoughtful about sections and subheads in the article, thinking thinking in those terms, right? Where, as you, you talked about, Tom, readers, what do they do? They click on the headline, they might read the introduction. And if, if they even read the introduction, um, first or not, they're going to scan the the sections and subheads just to see, all right, you know, do I want to invest? Or maybe I just want to jump to the third subhead because that's the part that's really relevant. That's actually answering the question I have. So making it easy for your readers to scan. And if, and if you do, you know, really deliver in that third subsection, well, there's a good chance they might go back to the top and say, well, what else in this article is useful? So think in those terms, make it easy for your reader to find what they're looking for through, you know, thoughtful structure in the article. And then also, if possible, having some sort of framework, um, not just general concepts and ideas, but I think readers, I certainly do when I'm when I'm reading something, I'm looking for a framework if possible, if, you know, related to the the underlying topic. So the, the example I just gave about, you know, what's the framework I use for writing an article? It's like, tell a story, distill a broad lesson from that story, and then provide contextualized takeaways for my audience. Um, that that's, that's an example of a framework. To the extent that you can do that in your thought leadership content, I think that helps sort of just differentiate your your content from the average writers because you're you're giving some someone something sticky and easy to implement uh and if you can do that that'll make them coming back they'll make them come back for more absolutely you kind of already uh stole my thunder a little bit but it's because we're of like mine so i have an article coming out asking whether your content is skimmable or skippable because the alternative to a skim is not a read, it's a skip, I think. So yep. going back to approach. So if I'm writing a piece of content, the primary first and foremost goal, foremost goal is not to get somebody to read the article. It's to get somebody to click on the article because they found it on LinkedIn or in an e-newsletter or on a website or somewhere else. So we already talked about how you get someone to click. And then the second uh, objective is not to get them to read the article because they 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 won't and there's all sorts of usage usage studies that back this up and you can google those if you want to see how content is consumed online it's the skim right so i'm providing enough of those visual landmarks to a keep the reader intrigued so you mentioned subheads the other thing is sometimes i put my most important um nuggets of wisdom, if you will, in bullet mm -hmm. points or in numbered lists, because the eye tends to gravitate towards that. So if I'm constructing an article, it's not just the argument I'm making, it's the physical structure that I'm considering to the point where the subheads have to be, I think, catchy. I think they have to, again, offer secondary tertiary promises to the reader. This is what you're going to get. You need to get them all the way to the bottom. So maybe, you know, I tend to do this a lot when I'm skimming, I'll read the, the closing argument, the last thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a good article. Well, I've already just skimmed the whole thing, right? And then I'll go back and I'll read the whole, and again, probably not in order. I'll read a little bit more of section one, a little bit more of section two. So I would approach the, again, this is going to be difficult for people to write all the time, but you, I think more in this noisy media environment, you have to think through how am I keeping that eyeball engaged? Because if, if I don't, again, it doesn't matter how good the ideas are, people are just going to skip it. So you want to make it skimmable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then let's go to the last 
topic here or question, which is what's your editing process, Tom? Once you get done uh, writing something, I imagine you're just not immediately hitting publish. Um, what do you, what do you do to edit? Uh, so I make it a rule and it's, it's a follow on rule to, I never start writing until I've thought about it till I've quote unquote meditated on it. And that might be a walk or whatever. So I'm, I'm thinking through what I want to write. And then by the time it comes time to write, I'm just typing same thing with editing. So now I've gotten all the ideas onto paper and the instinct is to say, now let me proofread it, make sure there's no mistakes. And if there aren't, then I'm going to send it to the client or I'm going to hit publish. I, as a rule, will close it and close the tab. Won't even go back looking at it until two days go by if I have that luxury because ultimately or almost always um as I think more through the topic I'm like you know what I should have included something about that in the article and it just makes the article so much better so after two days go by I've reflected on it I'll go back and I'll catch all the things that I wouldn't have caught because I was trying to just get through the editing process so I catch things I wouldn't otherwise catch but then I add things that I wouldn't have otherwise added so I, if I could get myself a week that's the ideal window. But if, you know, if there's a deadline, I'll shorten that to two days. I never edit the same day that I write other than I do an initial pass to make sure, you know, I haven't egregiously butchered the English language, but other than that, it's set it, forget it and come back to it. Wait, yeah, hold on. set it, forget it. And then you can edit. Ah, <laughs> look at that. That's another rule, rule of three framework. Good job, yeah, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me write uh, that down so I don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. All right. So yeah, similar approach. I mean, when possible, I try to always come back later and edit maybe at least after a 24 hour period of time. doesn't always work that way. I, I have a bad habit of, uh, you know, being up against deadlines, but right. um, I think that's the ideal way to go about it for sure. And then, you know, what wh I guess what I'm trying to do with the editing process is always just simplify as much as possible. Right. Yeah, I mean, I good just, point. It's just simple, you know, can I use more simple language? Can I shorten this? Can I explain this concept better, more clearly? Um, so that that's sort of the objective. Um, and then the last thing, which uh, I guess I'll just introduce uh, as a as a maybe a new idea for some people is I do this is another area where I think chat GPT can be useful. Um, so you know, I um I I don't use I, I use chat GPT uh in the writing process. I don't use it to write for me, but I use it in the writing process and in the editing process is part of that. Um, so after I've kind of gone through and done my edit, I'll just quickly, you know, copy and paste that uh, piece of content, like for my newsletter, for example, into ChatGPT. And I'll, I'll go through three separate prompts um, and I'll have it approach these these prompts it, it, you know, differently or, or uniquely. Um, as opposed to doing it all at once. So the first one will be, um, you know, what suggestions do you have for improving the substance of this article? And it might, you know, offer an interesting idea that I didn't think about. You know, mm -hmm. if I've got a list of like three tips, it might have a very interesting fourth one that just I never, never would have occurred to me. Um, so from a substantive standpoint, and then the second one would be, you know, suggestions for improving uh, the style. So, you know, I might have a... a use passive voice in a, in a sentence. I might uh, have a, a, just a, you know, sort of a run on sentence that could be uh, divided into two. It, it, I find it's good for, for finding and suggesting alternatives for that kind of thing. And then, and then the final prompt is just, do you have suggestions for simplifying? And it might just condense certain sections that it feels like are um, 
repetitive and that kind of thing. So what I do in those prompts is not just not ask it to rewrite it for me, but to, to provide a uh, a numbered list of suggestions um, with specific detail. And and it you know inevitably I'm making changes after doing those three prompts because it's helping to improve the writing. So that's just a you know leveraging technology as a as an editor as a really good editor in my experience to yep. uh, to improve my writing. And an executive assistant, yeah. It's great yeah. to have a team. A second set of eyeballs, right? So for sure, for sure. Good. Well, I'm. Gonna, I just have one other tip, which isn't a question that you asked, but you and I have talked about it uh, off air real quick. It's just um, to resist the urge to try to impress your colleagues with your writing. So I think keep in mind who the article's for. It's for you. You fill in the blank. Who is the article for? And write to that particular person's. Um, level of expertise and understanding on the subject matter. Don't talk over their heads. It's easy to want to write something that somebody in your industry is going to look at. Wow, this guy's brilliant. But the goal is not to impress. It's to be understood. And that's another Harrington quotable. Um, so, yeah, again, no, that's a good tip. And and in some cases, just because I, I don't know, I think that, you know, sometimes you think you always have to have some third party in mind. Sometimes you're writing for yourself too, because and that gets back to you know you're writing to be understood or to understand mm. and i think that can be an important um thing to keep in mind you know in and especially if you're writing uh, you know uh, I, like on linkedin or or elsewhere you know you're not writing for publication and um cfo.com or something like that uh but you know that i think that gets back to the the notion that you know writing is thinking and it's okay to write for yourself and for you to be your audience because there's probably if you're grappling with something and you're working it out through your writing then other people will learn for that from that too because you're not unique in trying to solve that problem well, I've been at it this long. I've never been peer reviewed. So I don't know if that's a badge of honor or it's an ambition <laughs> of guilt, but um, I'm still writing. So yeah, absolutely. All right, Tom. Well, I think that's the podcast for today. Uh, I, you know, thanks for sharing your process with me. I, I got, I definitely got some helpful tips. So well, and I, I borrow from you all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, good. Well, that, you know, we're this, this podcast is a process and thinking too, I think. Absolutely. We hope so. so. Awesome. All right. Jay. All right. Until next well, time. Sounds good. Have a great weekend. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com. 